Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145, and all streaming platforms. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton. What's going on, everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Lots to talk about on this short week. Hope everybody had a good weekend and a productive MLK Day yesterday. Now, lots to talk about. New head coaches. Is there any more room? For black head coaches, will there be any more room? We'll get into that. Deion Sanders has some interesting comments about the future of HBCU athletics. Also, we'll get into a little bit of the NFL games that happened this past weekend and what we can look forward to in the AFC and NFC championships. Uh, Only fans ain't always the best route to go for some people. We'll get into that and more here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, you can follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Excuse me. Now, the Los Angeles Chargers have finally found their new head coach and defensive coordinator from the Rams, Brandon Staley. Uh, The announcement has been officially made on Sunday evening. Uh, He will be able to talk to the press later on this week on Thursday. Uh, I should be in the house for that. So make sure you stay tuned and follow me on my social media platforms as we give you the breakdown of what Brandon Staley is going to do and what his plans are as a head coach, a first-time head coach in this league. Uh, He's been a defensive coordinator for quite a while. Actually used to play quarterback when he was in college. Uh, So that should be interesting to see who can dig up some of those offensive roots as it pertains to Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. The defense should be looking spectacular. Uh, One thing I did notice about Brandon Staley, and I've had a chance to cover the Los Angeles Rams this season uh, from – the training camp era all the way to uh, where they ended their season against the Green Bay Packers this past Saturday. And the one thing I will say, a lot of players have spoken very highly on Brandon Staley, not just because that's their defensive coordinator, that's their coach of the defense or whatever you want to entitle it, but the fact that they respect him as a man, which is to me a greater of importance than any other position coach that you can have on that front on that team. And when I hear people like Jalen Ramsey, when I hear, People like Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Michael Brockers speak highly of, of, of him, especially filling the shoes of the great Wade Phillips, who, was the, who to me is a defensive guru. And to come in there and establish a rapport, to come in and establish an identity for that defense, for them to have the number one defense, to go up against the number one rated offense in the NFC and in, in the Green Bay Packers, that to me took work it took time it took relationships it took finessing it took a skill set and to me that's those are some of the qualities that you need in a head coach moving forward um it obviously is is much different than a positional coach because all you have to focus on is that particular area of expertise whether it be defense offense whether it be special teams but now you're a head coach so now you are a manager of position coaches 
as well as overseeing that you have the last word on different areas of coaching. So when I hear you know I hear Jalen Ramsey, who spoke very highly of him. Uh, Derwin James seems to be on board. We all know Derwin James and and, and uh, Jalen are, are really good friends. When you see Drew Tranquil posting things, you see Chris Harris Jr. posting things as as in, in, in show of support of the Chargers move to to hire Brandon Staley. That's a good sign. That's a very good sign. Um, at at the at this point, I have not heard or seen anything from Joey Bosa, but uh, I'm sure Joey Bosa was was notified. Um, and I'm sure he he's he he might be on more than likely he's on board with it because hey, uh, this is going to be his future coach and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. This is a very talented Chargers team. They have some pieces they need to fill. They do have some gaps they need to fill on offense and defense, especially on offense when it comes to the offensive line. That offensive line is ridiculous. They definitely need they need a left tackle to, to for starters. Uh, they need somebody who they can really depend on, and, and that's going to help keep Justin Herbert upright for the most part, um, and somebody who can also develop Justin Herbert and develop that run game. Because with Austin Eckler, then what? Who's next? <clears throat> There's not been a definitive role behind in the running game when it comes to someone after Austin Eckler. Excuse me, Austin Eckler. Excuse me. So that's going to be interesting to see what he does. And how he's going to shape that. But when I look at a lot of these head coaches, and there's been a lot of controversy, and there's been a lot of talk, and it should be. Um, various coaches have gotten the opportunity, excuse me, various teams have gotten the opportunity to hire various coaches. You look at the New York Jets, who hired Robert Salah, who I thought was a solid hire, first Muslim uh head coach in the NFL. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars was something that we already knew anyway, that Urban Meyer was going to be named the head coach. Uh, as they continue to also look for a GM. But his his coordinators are going to be the key. Urban Myers coordinators are going to be the key to that. Because Urban Myers is going to be a CEO. He's going to be like, much like how Belichick is up in New England. He's just a CEO. He manages the, the various position coaches and makes sure that everything is nice and tight and develop that system. That's what he's going to be. Um, when I look at the Atlanta Falcons, they hired Arthur Smith. Uh, who's a Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator. So that should be interesting, especially when you have uh, what he's done to develop Ryan Tannehill. Uh, then you have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones, and then they, the, the Falcons, I believe, picked four. That could very well be a quarterback pick, as I've said numerous times. If I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I go after Justin Fields, let him develop under Matt Ryan, keep Matty Ice around for another year, let him let Justin Fields learn and develop that organization that way Arthur Blank is is focused and laser focused on winning he said everybody's expendable he did not he did not hesitate to not name names he said everybody is expendable if, if that's what it takes for them to win to become a winning play, franchise and a deep playoff threat moving forward and I can't say I blame Arthur Blank for that the man is putting out money the man has invested a lot of time money and effort to bringing that franchise along so hey He's the owner. He writes the checks. He has every right to say what he needs to say. So we'll see what happens in the, in the era of Arthur Smith. Uh, now, there, there are a couple of other head coaching vacancies. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles have yet to name their head coach. Uh, all intents and purposes, it could be Joe Brady, um, who has done a very outstanding job uh, in his position. So it's going to be interesting. But the key is, to me, 
there are no black head coaches outside of Eric Bieniemy that have pretty much been on the block. What I mean by that is this: Look, everybody's saying, "Oh, if Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a job, it's a travesty," and I get that, and I totally understand the sentiment behind it. However, y'all act like Eric Bieniemy is the Martin Luther King of head coaching jobs. What I mean by that is this: Most of America. Record finally have and, and have recognized Martin Luther King for many years. That's all they recognize nationally. But you don't recognize Malcolm X. You don't recognize Marcus Garvey. You don't recognize Frederick Douglass. You don't recognize W.E.B. Du Bois or Booker T. Washington or Carter G. Woodson or any of the other uh, folks that have been instrumental in the plight of civil rights and humanity when it comes to people of color and black folks especially. We don't get that. Mary McLeod Bethune. We don't get that. And several others. Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. Kwame Ture, better known as Stokely Carmichael. We don't get those recognized. We don't get those people recognized as much, which is really a shame. Ralph Bunchy Carter. But y'all do recognize Martin Luther King. And I say that to say that Eric Bieniemy is not the only black coach or coordinator that deserves an opportunity to be interviewed for a head coaching position. There are several other black coordinators that deserve to be in line for an opportunity for a head coaching position. And say what you want. We are, there have been reports that Anthony Lynn may end up being the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, which I think is a great move. However, why is he not considered for a head coaching position after he's had experience? And, and say what you want, yeah, he didn't have the greatest year with the Los Angeles Chargers, and maybe some players may have tuned him out half, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season. But the man still left with a winning record of 33 and 31. And how many times have other coaches who are non-black had worse records when they were coaching and got immediate opportunities or at least another year later they had an opportunity to take on a head coaching job i mean hell people are still bringing up the name adam gase when it comes to a head coaching spot why the hell are people still bringing up adam gase adam gase is trash he had one good season in in, in miami let's be honest he had one good year maybe two if you want to if you want to stretch it what the hell has he done since he was, he's been atrocious with the Jets. He's alienated most people. Why are we even bringing up his name when it comes to head coaching opportunities? When he has not proven that he deserves that opportunity. But when you get a black coordinator or a black head coach who maybe didn't win the Super Bowl or win it all when it comes to making sure that that, that franchise is much better and they get fired as a result, why are they why aren't names like that mentioned more so than not? That's the problem. That's the problem that we have right now. And props to Bruce Arians of the uh, of the Tampa Bay Bucks because majority of his staff is black, black coordinators. And I, I give a lot of I, I give a lot of props to Bruce Arians and I give a lot of props to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ownership that allow that to happen because in order for you to be in a head coaching position or even be qualified for that you have to be in the coordinator spot well that takes me to another argument there's not enough black and in, in, uh, in other minority uh 
position coaches and coordinators. They're not. And that's another problem. So, yeah, it would be a travesty if Eric BNB doesn't get an opportunity to be a head coach. But then I raised this. I also raised this question. Does Eric BNB want to be a head coach? And I say that because there's been some reports where he's done. He's, 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 he's interviewed well. There's been some reports where he's interviewed miserably. Depends on who you choose to believe. But why is it that black coaches only get seldom get opportunities to coach well-balanced, elevating franchises? Why is it that we got to take the seller franchises and we expect to perform a miracle? Black coaches are expected to, to walk on water and crap ice cream. And if they don't, well, they're a failure of a coach. We're never going to hire you again or it won't be a while before you get hired. Why is that? If I'm Eric Bieniemy, why the hell would I want to leave Kansas City? You know who I have the opportunity to, to to continue to coach and develop a relationship with? One of the arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, in Patrick Mahomes. And we all know Andy Reid may not have a long period of time to to, to remain as head coach. Maybe another year or two, Andy Reid decides to step down. Who do you think is the next in line? And Eric Bieniemy is still there, because for Bieniemy, it's not about money. He's not a spendthrift, so it's not about the money. So if I'm Eric Bieniemy, why would I just stay put? Why will I not pull a Josh McDaniels, what Josh is doing in New England, waiting for Bill Belichick to step aside so he could possibly take over? What's the big issue about that? If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm staying put. And I know that may be an unpopular opinion, but oh well. That's just what I see. So based upon that, beyond Eric B. Enemy, there are other black coordinators and position coaches that deserve opportunities to be head coaches in this league. And as of right now, there's only what? Two black head coaches? A damn shame. NFL's got to do better. But as I've said time and time again, the NFL players have, have got to start making it a demand to have more black and, and minority head coaches in the National Football League. Because when the players speak, especially certain players that speak on this topic, people start to listen. I could talk about this till I'm blue in the face. Other media members and colleagues of mine could talk about this till we're blue in the face. But guess what? When the players start talking about it, have the same vigor, the same tenacity, the same attitude as far as them wanting to see more black and minority head coaches around the league. Then you're going to maybe start see some change around the National Football League. But until then, nothing is going to change. Not as drastic as it should. And I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to any of the head coaches that are currently in that position. And I'm talking about the new head coaches that have gotten their, their opportunities. No disrespect to them at all. But let's take let's understand this for a second. The power of the voice is very strong. And these NFL players, all y'all are getting your money, and I'm not mad at everyone getting their money because you earned it, you deserve it. But you also have a platform. And it goes beyond just promoting your personal brand, which you have every right to promote. 
I'm not mad at you for that. You have every right to promote whatever products, whatever things that you're doing on, on do, throughout the season, during the off season. Not a problem. Social justice, uh, raising awareness to certain you know projects that you're working on. I'm all for that. But when are players going to start to step up and say, hey, we need more. We need more of a balance when it comes to coaching. We need more of a balance when it comes to coordinators. We need more black and minority head coaches and coordinators in our league. The league is over 70 plus percent black. We don't even have 70 percent black or minority coordinator positions of uh vacant you know uh, that are not vacant and not taken by black folks at all not at all so that's the problem and that's the problem that continues to go on it's going to get worse as long as it continues to be swept under the rug or taken lightly or the emphasis is not on making sure that, that that's a more of a balanced field and opportunity until that happens nothing's going to fully change i'm here to tell you so listen to me now. Believe me later on. Coming up on the other side of the break, I got a very special guest. My other half of the opposite reaction, Jackie Ray stops by to chop up some NFL talk as well as the future of HBCU athletics. Coming up on the other side of the break, a whole lot to talk about when it comes to HBCU athletics. We'll get into the weekend that was the NFL playoffs with my other host, on the opposite reaction my good friend and partner jackie ray she stops by to talk a little bit about that and we'll get into some only fan stories so you definitely don't want to miss that you keep it locked right here you're checking out tma with nick hamilton here on sirius xm slam radio 145. yo what's up baby let's go this is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. All right, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on SiriusXM, Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on all social media platforms, at Nick Hamilton LA. Now I have a special guest to talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs this past weekend and what possibly can we look forward to moving into the AFC and NFC championships. Now, it was a wild weekend once again in the NFL. Lots to talk about, and we're going to talk about Deion Sanders' uh, recent comments when it comes to HBCU when it, in athletics to join me to talk about these particular topics is one half of the opposite reaction this is my partner in crime i'm gra- i'm grateful to have her you can catch her every weekday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the fumble which is on i1 media and their youtube channel you can also catch her podcast at the half every thursday also catch the opposite reaction with myself and my other host jackie ray who is on Dash, also Dash Radio, Dash Talk X, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And she's one of Nightcast Media's finest, Jackie Ray. What's going on, girl? How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I could be doing better, but uh, At The Half is moving to Friday um, oh, instead of me. Thursdays. <laughs> Just want to make that correction because, you know, I didn't want to compete with our podcast. I was like, I can't be competing with myself. So it took a few minutes to make that happen, but yes, I'm finally moving to Fridays. <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, I make sure everybody catches that that great podcast as well. Um, 
so let's get right into it i've been messing with you all weekend uh when it comes to the bucks and the saints i know you have you have started to become a saints fan for some strange reason but then again it was a battle of the grumpy old men tom brady again against drew Brees. uh drew Brees looked absolutely horrible that noodle arm i told you about for a whole year that noodle arm was not going to hold up much longer and damn it if i wasn't right he had four turnovers tom brady had zero donut and toner which is really surprising in itself because normally tom brady likes to turn the ball over at different times um in your estimation watching that game what made tom brady and the bucks so successful and then what the hell happened to the saints i think what made tom brady and the bucks so successful is the saints um i think that they just kind of got out there and then they they beat themselves and you know, this is a friend of mine and I talked about this. I, I know, you know, Chris used to be on the fumble and we kind of mm-hmm. chatted about it before the game and pretty much. And it's a sad thing to say because this is one of those things you don't want to be right about. But pretty much exactly how I hoped it wouldn't go is exactly how it went. I said that if Tom Brady had made any kind of announcements that he was thinking about retirement before that game, then he was going to go out there and try to force things and try to make sure that he went out on a high note and, you know, things of that nature. And I saw a lot of that. I saw, you know, our first drive that we ended up only scoring three points. It shouldn't have been that we should have, we should have definitely gone down there and and got the touchdown, but you know, we just didn't. And then like you said, the turnovers and um, you know, Tom Brady, he was getting the pressure and they had come into this game making a whole bunch of turnovers. So for them to not have any turnovers, Shouts out to them. They definitely realized one of their weaknesses and stepped it up. But he was getting enough pressure and making enough mistakes himself that we should have been able to capitalize on that. But, you know, Drew was trying to force things. There was a couple of passes that I was like, who in the hell did you even see over there? So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. And I know who that nation is really upset because we've gone into these specific games and have been beaten by the refs. And now we don't have that excuse. That was definitely a loss that, you know, unfortunately we can place a lot of that squarely on the shoulders of Drew Brees. And that's something that you just don't want to do. But the rumor is that before he even got on the field that he was saying, you know, this is my last hoorah. And I just think in anything that you do, if you're not in that moment, if you're not dwelling within that moment, 100%, if you're looking beyond it, then it's difficult to be your best self in that moment. So he, he did exactly what I hope he wouldn't do. And and then even when he was walking off the field, I get it. A lot of people from who that nation were still in the stands and they, they think that that might be his last hoorah. And so he was blowing kisses at people, but bruh, I don't, I don't want you in the mindset where you out there blowing kisses at people. I need you to be mad and upset and, you know, things of that nature. So it's a hard loss for us, but you know, it was a good game. I knew it was going to be a gun gun battle and it was a good game to see. Um, Aaron Rodgers is 37. He's definitely younger, but you know, it's still going to be an old man game next week. So it's going to still be another gun battle. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too. Well, it's interesting because I mean, you can't blame the refs then you can't blame the refs now. And the thing about it, not at all. Because here's the thing. When you look at the person on the planet who would say that, because and that, that, that lends me to think, did you actually watch those games? Because if you watch, yes, nobody who watches those games can come to that conclusion. There is horrible calls that definitely went against. No, us. I just don't. I just don't. Four years. I just don't care. Like it happened two years ago. Like y'all got to get over that. It's, it's been over. Four years. It was four, four years. years. Ago even happened. worse. Even worse. It's no, been no, four no. years. I'm not saying it's been four years ago. I'm saying it happened four years in a row. 
at the ref. I mean, it happened two years ago. Who cares? It didn't get over it. First of all, you, that was not okay. The point. Three years the ago, excuse was, me. The point was no. You, I don't know. Your math is wrong. It's happened four years in a row. You talking about it happened four years ago, and that's not what I'm saying. And I'm saying that this was an opportunity for us to, because the refs were actually doing, shouts out to the refing team. Um, and I forget her name and I hate that I forget her name, but she was out there doing her damn thing. So shouts out to the refing squad. They were doing very, very well out there. And we just really just can't blame it on the refs. Obviously, like I said, ah, Drew's got a shoulder, this burden. Well, yeah, he definitely got a shoulder that burden because he's the one who threw the four picks. But at the same time, when he, post game, Drew Brees, uh, when he was talking about his future, because everybody thinks he, this is like you said earlier, it's going to be his last hurrah. He's going to move on to the to the commentary booth on NBC, which he signed a deal with last uh, before this this upcoming season um, to do that. And many people thought, hey, maybe he has another year, maybe two years left. Uh, but it seemed like he's made his mind up. But then when he said when he was asked post game, he said, quote, no complaints, no regrets. I've always tried to play this game with a great respect and a great reverence to it. There are so many incredible memories and incredible relationships playing this game, end quote. And he also said he's going to take some time to really reflect and really make a, a, a sound decision as it pertains to his future uh, in the many weeks to come. Which is said something that I thought was interesting in the, you know, the pregame. He was like, you mm -hmm. know, he says, once I had signed my deal, you know, to kind of get into the broadcasting and stuff. Yeah, I finished out that year, but my mind was done. I was playing, but I wasn't in the game. And he and he said that he was like, if you if you kind of sign that deal, which like you mentioned, Drew Brees has, he's like, then your mind has already kind of moved on to that next phase of your life. So even if he's on the field, he's kind of in retirement. And that's the thing that I was concerned about, because and like I just said, you got to focus on that moment it definitely didn't look like he was focused on that moment because you call him noodle arms. But the fact of the matter is this is a seasoned vet, a hall of famer for sure. This, this is that moment. This is your moment and you shouldn't be thinking about the next thing. Well, his mind and his arm were done uh, apparently. So, I mean, yeah, he's definitely a hall of famer. Uh, and speaking of being done, uh, when you look at, you talked about the green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, which are far from done. This has right. been a tremendous year for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, they finished 13 and three, the number one seed uh, in the NFC. But it, Aaron Rodgers has played an MVP type of season with everything that's been thrown at him this season, with not getting the adequate help uh, in the offseason, them drafting Jordan Love out of Utah State, another quarterback when you already have a service, a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who still can, can give you two or three, four years left on the in the tank. Um, this was a huge slap in the face. Uh, to Matt co head coach Matt LaFleur as well as Aaron Rodgers, but they came out against the Los Angeles Rams, who had the number one defense in the NFC against the number one offense in the NFC in the Green Bay Packers. How surprised were you that the Rams were being shellacked the way that they were? Look, I was going for the Rams just because I'm from, I, I live in Los Angeles now, but that's literally the only reason I knew it was going to be exactly what it was. Um, Aaron Rodgers is kind of the opposite of what I just said about Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers lives for these moments. He turns up in these moments. The guy that you got in the regular season, and that's what I've been arguing with Bucks fans, because, you know, they beat um, Green Bay. I think it was like damn near 40 to oh, like 38 to 10 or something like that. It was a lot, not enough. It was, it was something really bad. And I'm like, okay, regular season Aaron Rodgers is not the same as postseason. Aaron Rodgers and y'all need to just wipe that out your memory and that's it so I wasn't surprised at that at all but I definitely thought it was one of those moments 
where the Rams needed to be successful. They needed to go up against a postseason Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and they needed to come out successful to kind of prove the validity of the road that they've been on because everyone has questioned the road that they've been on since they gave Jared Goff that ridiculous kind of screws up your future contract, you know? So in order for that move to make sense, you had to win in this moment. And the fact that they didn't means a whole bunch of different things for that organization. Um, but no, to answer your question, I wasn't surprised at that at all. I wasn't either. I said that the, the Rams did have a chance at winning. It would be through their defense because their defense had been so dominant, at, especially the, la- the latter part of the, I know they, had, they, they crapped the bed against the New York Jets, but beyond right. that, they pretty much had a very successful season under uh, defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. Um, when you look at Aaron Donald, who to me is one of the best defensive players of our generation. When I think of him, I think of the grace like Reggie White, um, law, you know, guys like that. Um, when you think about those type of players. Um, but when I look at the, the injury status of a lot of those players, you know, with the Rams, um, you know, Jared Goff playing with those screws in his thumb. Um, doing the same old Jared Goff type of situations. And even on Sunday, you know, head coach Sean McVay was asked, well, you know, what's 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 the future of Jared Goff? What's the future? He said, hey, everybody's being re-evaluated, re-eva- excuse me, uh, for the most part. And that, that includes Jared Goff. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Rams moving forward. But to me, I think Green Bay is on a mission. I know they're going to play Tom Brady in, in the Bucks, but they got to go to the frozen tundra to play. In the, and, and yes, Tom Brady's had success in cold weather, but I can't say the rest for those guys who are in the sunny confines of Florida and playing in Tampa. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. On the flip note, uh, on Sunday, you had the, the Cleveland Browns who have been surprising a lot of people. Baker Mayfield gets a lot of hate, and I understand it. But Baker Mayfield is a really good quarterback, and I'm glad he's being able to really showcase his skill set uh, with that team without OBJ, mind you, right. um, and and just having Jarvis Landry and those guys. I mean, Nick Chubb, you know, Kareem Hunt, um, and those in that running game. Um, but then you got the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the number one seed in the AFC, and then they lost uh, Pat Mahomes, probably about what is uh, midway, close midway to the third through, quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Through the third, well, early in the third. What did you see in that game? Because to me, I didn't think they were going to be able to pull it out without Pat Mahomes. I was concerned. So the the main thing I said, because there is a uh, person that lives in my building that I, the only reason I was rooting against the Chiefs is because of him, because I just want to keep him out my face um, because he's one of those fans. (laughs) But ultimately, I knew the Chiefs were going to win. But I had said this. I, even though I knew the Chiefs would win, I needed Baker Mayfield to go out there and and have a personal win. I needed him to not be the reason why his team lost. I needed him to do very, very well. And I thought he looked really good in that moment. I know he was disappointed that he didn't get to go back out on the field and potentially, you know, get the win for his team. But at the same time, I thought he looked very well. And to your point, you know, you said it's unfortunate that they're doing it without OBJ. But the truth is, Baker Mayfield rarely looked OBJ's way like he's got tunnel vision when it comes to Jarvis Landry and to be honest they started winning more unfortunately once Odell was hurt so you know I don't know if they'd even be in this situation unfortunately if Odell was still on the court on the field but when Patrick Mahomes went down I don't know if you saw that that the first of all the hit didn't even look that bad to me but to see him stumble when he got up and he, he was dazed and you could tell he wasn't entirely sure where he was um 
I was like, okay, that's a very scary moment for that team. Mm. Number one, number two, the disappointment that I had, and I and I I wasn't surprised that they won without him because it's always next man up. You have to prove mm-hmm. that you don't want to be the reason your team loses in that moment. So shout out um, to well, is Heen is his last name um, or Henny or whatever. Heen, oh, Chad Henny. Chad Henny. He's yeah. still in the league. That's what everybody's asking. He's still in yeah. the league. <laughs> yeah, because that's when I heard his name, I was like, he, how old is he? He's been in the league since like what two thousand three or something. So yeah, shout out to him. But he did what he was supposed to do in the in the first series in, he got that first down like off top. And so you were like, okay, he's gonna get in that moment. And that's what he's supposed to do. Next man up. The the problem is though, there's always those jitters. You are the backup. And the Browns did not capitalize on that. They did not instill any fear in that moment. They did not shake things up. And so he was able to get comfortable and ultimately finish off the game. So I was disappointed to see that the Browns didn't take advantage of that moment. Um, But Chiefs fans have got to feel comfortable knowing, you know, who is their supporting cast in that situation. So, you know, shouts out to them. Hopefully Patrick Mahomes is okay because you definitely don't want them to make this run without him. Um, But to see him dazed and confused like that was definitely troubling. Yeah, Pat Pat Mahomes looked like that that scene that Chris Tucker did in Rush Hour when he got kicked in the face and he was like, which one of y'all kicked me? <laughs> That's the face that Pat Mahomes had. Came, Which one of y'all kicked me? And there was only one person that kicked him. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's the immediately. That's the first thing that came to mind. That's so um, but at the same time, I mean, all seriousness, you do hope that Pat Mahomes. I know he's got to go through concussion protocol, and hopefully, he'll be available uh, for mm-hmm. the AFC Championship against the Buffalo Bills, who have been very, very surprising. Uh, Brian Dabble has done an incredible job on the offensive side of the ball, being the old coordinator, and and really. Uh, you know, getting Josh Josh Allen really prepared for these types of mm-hmm. moments and for a great season. And so it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be tight like we saw against the Cleveland Browns. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I would be highly shocked if Kansas City blew out the, the Bills because their defense has been incredible. It's gotten better each and every season in the last, I believe, three or four seasons. So um, that's don't going to be interesting. Josh Allen's arm. Josh Allen's got a little rocket on him. Oh, you know? yes. Yeah. He's on his arm. No, he has a strong arm. I mean, he has a very strong arm. I like his – he he seems a lot more patient this season when it comes to mm-hmm. making sure he makes his throws. I mean, you know, uh, Stephon Diggs is nothing to sneeze at. That dude is a right. huge target. To have him on your squad is a definite add, added addition and improvement uh, when it comes to yardage, when it comes to keeping the chains moving. Uh, but at the same time, you got to credit that defense as well to be able to keep, you know, the 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 uh, the opposition in limbo. Right. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the AFC Championship um, next Sunday. AFC Championship, NFC Championship. Who do you have? Um, okay, so we're talking about Green Bay versus um, Tampa Bay. The Bay of Pigs. Bay. Okay, I see what you did there. Well, well played. I'm going with Green Bay in that one for sure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that um, I'm, I'm counting on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got something to prove. Well, both of them kind of have something to prove. Obviously, Tom Brady wants to be the saving grace for Tampa Bay. He wants to prove that he can win without Belichick. That's been his thing. I think that's one of the main reasons why he wanted to make this move. But seeing that I don't have a dog in this race, I'm just going to go with the guy that I actually really, really like, and that is Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay to win this one. All right. Well, Green Bay are three and a half point favorites as of right now. That could change throughout the week. Depends on what happens and what transpires through a week of practice. Uh, moving to the AFC Championship, you have the Bills and the Chiefs. 
who do you have in that matchup? See, again, I just don't want to sleep on Josh Allen has done an amazing job this season of every time that I have doubted him, he has proven me wrong. <laughs> So I don't want to be in this situation where I doubt him yet again. And for me, it's going to be one of those things where I'll have to make a definitive decision once I know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the game or not. If Patrick Mahomes is not playing, then I think Buffalo takes this no problem. Um, if he is going to be in the game, it's going to be a shootout. But I still think, well, no, they're playing in KC, right? So, yep. yeah, KC might pull it out if if uh, if Patrick Mahomes is playing. Well, we'll find out. Uh, right now, Kansas City is a three-point favorite uh, in the AFC Championship. Again, that could change. Like you said, it depends on depending on the status of quarterback Patrick Mahomes and his availability to start and to play. Uh, so I, I would be highly surprised if Pat Mahomes doesn't, doesn't start because he was running to the locker room, which was a, yeah. a, a pretty good sign. Uh, in that Cleveland game on Sunday, so it should be I interesting. You got it. Was that on the on the field though? He 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 didn't know. He had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> My man looked like he got jumped. I was like who? <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> right. You got. Hey, listen. You got time to stick around for one more segment? Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're gonna get into Deion Sanders. You know, he's the new head coach of Jackson State University, HBCU, but he has some very interesting comments when it comes to HBCU athletics. Is he on point or is he completely off base? We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, y'all, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on SiriusXM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Continuing to join me here on our last segment of the show is Jackie Ray. You can hit her up at JRayTheFanatic on all social media platforms. So let's get into this Deion Sanders situation. Uh, Deion made some interesting comments when it comes to HBCU athletics. I know you and I have had this conversation on the opposite reaction uh, many, many moons ago when it comes to HBCUs and, and athletes choosing HBCUs over possibly D1 schools or D1 AA, depending on uh, the nature of what they're trying to do. And I commend, let me say this before I go any further. I truly commend Deion Sanders for making an effort to try to turn it around and trying to make a, a better situation for an HBCU uh, university uh, when it comes to their athletic department and their athletic program. Uh, he is now the head coach or has been the head coach for Jackson State University, um, and he's getting ready. Obviously, he's been on the recruiting trail. He's got some really nice recruits. Uh, obviously, his son is going to be a quarterback uh, there. He he just, he declined from going to uh, South Carolina University and decided to transfer over, which I understand. Now, you want to play for your pops. I understand he's been playing for his dad when he was in high school, so it makes complete sense. And, he, and you know, Shador Sanders has an arm. Like, I've watched some tape on him. He actually has an arm. It ain't just because your daddy's the coach. Like, you're going to get uh, the special treatment. He actually has an arm, and he's actually a good quarterback. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how he develops over the course of time. But with Deion Sanders, everybody know his name. is synonymous with bringing attention and bringing awareness to certain things. Um, obviously, he knows everybody at various networks, from the NFL network to ESPN. And I'm sure they're going to have some, some games being broadcasted on ESPN or, you know, certain networks when it comes to that. But what his I think what his biggest and I've said this too, and I've, I've said this to you as well, to me, 
when you have an HBCU, the biggest thing, two things that kids are looking for when they're being recruited. One, well, actually three things. One, how many times do we play on national television? Two, what do the, what do the facilities look like? And three, can you get me to the NFL? Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to Deion Sanders, getting to the NFL, I don't think is a problem. Being seen, questionable. Athletic facilities, nowhere to, nowhere to be found. When you look at Clemson, you look at the Alabamas, Ohio States, the USC's, the Oregon's of the world, they spend at least $100 million just on a facility by itself. HBCUs don't have that kind of money because you don't have the alum to be able to give that money back outside of Jeff Bezos ex-wife who actually was kind enough to donate monies to various HBCUs unfortunately that's still not enough versus having Alabama or Georgia or USC alums give money because they give money in droves they give money because they have big money people But when you have people that have gone to HBCUs like Puffy, like everybody else that don't go back and donate monies to these HBCUs and to these athletic programs, who suffers? They do. And so Deanna, I think, is finally finding that out that, hey, yeah, you can go with Golden Corral. You can you can hook up with Michael Strahan and get these guys some suits and get, you know, make them look presentable and make them feel good. Because like he said, if you look good, you feel good, you play good. And I totally agree with him on that. But. He's got to be able, the first two years, as I've said, he's got to be a fundraiser. He's got to get money in there. And I'm talking about millions upon millions of dollars just to get a facility built. Once you get the facility built, it becomes a little bit easier to compete with other schools. And that's just one phase. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on Deion Sanders and is he off base or does he have a point here? No, so you like you said, you and I have talked about this several times before, and um, I never argued your point. I never argued against, you know, the point that you made, nor would I argue against um, the point that Deion Sanders made. But Deion Sanders is proving my side of the point. And what I said was, is you still have to have somebody's going to have to do it. Somebody's going to have to take that first step. And we, no matter what we're talking about, whether it be sports or anything that we're Black people are dominant in. I really believe in my heart of hearts that you should have to come get us from us. Um, when you're talking about some of the greatest lawyers and things of that nature, or even doctors have gone to HBCUs. So HBCUs mm-hmm. are very capable of turning out quality in across the board, no matter what we're talking about. But like you said, the problem is, you know, fundraising. It's easier to turn out quality doctors and and lawyers because they don't need these elaborate facilities and stuff to train in and things of that nature. I totally understand that. That being said, though, just like I said to you then is the same thing I'm saying to you now. Yes, Dion is going to have an uphill battle. I am so grateful and thankful that he is embracing that uphill battle. I'm also grateful and thankful that he's not holding his tongue about it. He's not saying, well, you know, I want to do, he is saying this is a trash facility. These kids should not have to play in these facilities. One of the things he said that I liked is, you know, it kills the kids' dreams because when they know they don't have the facilities or the means to even compete, they're not even going to try that hard to develop the skill set that would be able to carry them over to the NFL. So yeah, you're absolutely right. He's going to have to raise these funds. But the thing that I love about Deion Sanders is how vocal he is. And eventually somebody's going to get it. It it is a shame that people like um, Puffy and things of that nature have not 
gone back to give. But you have someone like Deion Sanders, who is not only a super vocal, but B is proving that he is capable of bringing in the talent that could compete. I think that's when you get, I always thought that had to come first. I know you said that you thought the facilities had to come first. I always thought the big name to kind of set the standard that says, Hey, if I can come here, you guys can come here too. And so he's kind of proving that. So yeah, I think he's got an uphill battle, but if there's anybody that I think will be successful in doing that, I think it will be Deion Sanders. And the more he talks, the more black people will listen who have money. And so I, I'm hoping that this will steamroll in his favor going forward. Well, I don't, I'll say this much. I don't think it's just black people that need to donate money. I think it's people in general that, need to, that have the monies that need to donate. I mean, you look at what he's done with Under, with Under Armour getting a deal uh, after they shook the Nike deal. You look at what uh, he's been able to talk to guy, golfers like Phil Mickelson, who donated over half a million dollars just to the HBCU athletic program, to the Jackson State University athletic program, excuse me. Um, and that's great for Jackson State. That is that is outstanding. But it's going to take years, if not decades, for HBCUs as a whole, the ones that do have these athletic programs like Howard University, like Hampton and so many others to really get on the map and get these facilities. And it's going to take a bunch of Deion Sanders type to or be able Deion Sanders pulling these like, hey, guys, we need to have a HBCU meeting of the minds. Yes, I'm over here. Not all of you guys can have a Deion Sanders, but let's work this just like the NCAA. They've they've got contractual deals across the board with their schools as far as like TV and things of that nature. Let's let's get together and figure out how we can make some of these things. Let's do this trickle down effect. You know what I mean? I mean in theory, yes. But again, you've got to build the facilities. You've got to. And it's going to take time. Like it's, it's going to take time and it's going to take decades worth of work to get certain facilities up off the ground. I mean, yes, it can start with Jackson State, absolutely. But then you got to move on and you got to take it school by school by school by school. Because if you don't, it's not going to work. But if they maybe if somebody sees the importance of Jackson State and see how they've come from basically the ground up, right. then maybe you may get some more HBCUs. But at the same time, it's still a gap. Because while you're, start, while you're working on one school, you got... 117 D1 schools. And out of those 117, you have five power conferences of schools that have multi-millions, if not billions of dollars being, being trickled down into their various programs. So you're still behind the eight ball. No matter how much progress you do make, it's still a wide gap because of so much that has been behind. So it's going to take, you can't, I think it's, I think it's, it's false it's a false narrative to think that you're going to be able to totally compete with a D1 school at the ones that I've mentioned. But I think if you just say, Hey, we want to compete period. And we want to have, we want to be able to get to a certain level, the level that we want to aspire to and be able to get out there and be on the ESPNs and the FS ones and various networks like that to showcase the skill set that our talent, you know, our players have and be able to maybe attract a four-star recruit or even a, later on a five-star recruit. Um, and pull them away from an Alabama, possibly, or a USC or Oregon, I mean, uh, or Oregon or Ohio State. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah, but, but it's going. I think that should be the goal. I don't think the goal should be to complete compete with a D1 school, at least not right now. I think the, the goal should be as a collective, as a collective of HBCUs, how can we get seen? How can we build up our HBCUs to the point where we can start? bridging this gap because like you said the gap is going to take several years to 
to close that gap. But you, can't, you you have to take the step. So yeah, competing should not be the thing that mm -hmm. the goal right now. Being seen and making sure these kids have an opportunity to be seen. There's so many different outlets and media outlets now that that can be so viable to make this like you just if you can just think outside of the box there's literally people making hundreds and thousands of dollars that are not on network tv but are actually have a show come on every single week so if you can just get out of the mindset and, and that's and that's just always been my thought process as far as when it comes to us anyway you can't look at what they've done because they've had hundreds of years of free labor to get ahead. You got to look at where we are right now and what we can do with what we have and how can we build that up and and know we might not be able to compete with that, but we can make what we got damn good for what we have. It's not going to be fantastic, but we can make it good. Well, it's hundreds of thousands versus hundreds of millions. That's the that's the key. And and when you don't have the eyeballs of the ESPNs or the FS1s or the Fox Sports of the world, that that becomes a problem because when you when kids you're sitting in that kid's living room who's a four or five star recruit who has letter offers from the various D1 schools and then here you come saying, "Hey, look, want you check out our facility, want you check out, you know, our our area of expertise when it comes to athletics because we're here, we're here to do X, Y, and Z." And they go check out your facilities and then they get the call back from a school like Oregon or a school like Alabama and say, hey, come take one more recruiting visit and they sell them on that recruiting visit. Well, guess what? Why did you think that that needs to be an instillment process? Deion Sanders son is going to Jacksonville because of two reasons. Deion Sanders and because he believes in his his dad and what his dad can do there. It It's an instillment what you're instilling to your, in your kids. If I had children, my kids. You go into an HBCU. We're going to have to just, I don't know if you're going to have to go over here with Deion Sanders if you're playing a sport, but that's just something that you have to instill in your kids because if we don't believe in what we're doing, how can we expect anyone else to believe in what we're doing? Well, so, like I said, it has to, you can't expect the wheel to start rolling if no one's going to push it. Someone has to push it. And if we're talking about stuff that belongs to us exclusively, it needs to be us and we need to start pushing that wheel. Well, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. I think, like I said before, before, I think it's a great start. I think it's 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 commendable what Dion has decided to do using his name and influence to, to bring attention and awareness. And I don't think um, if there was just another coach that was able to come to Jackson State, they wouldn't have been able to do the things that Dion can do because of the connections, because of the opportunities. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens what happens moving forward. Um, but we all know HBCUs are great for academics. I think they're great for, for postgraduate. Um, they have some really great schools, but athletics has always been the issue. And it will continue to be an issue um, until monies are raised when you start to build $100 million plus facilities and being able to get on get the TV rights um, right. and be able to showcase the talent there. So then it's going to be decades and decades and decades of work and gaps in between one thing i want to ask you because i know we had this conversation i don't know if you saw this article there's an article now we all know we, we've been suffering through this pandemic mm -hmm. since march of 2020 we try to come with different revenue streams of income you have i have a lot of people out there that listening have tried to come up with you know making ends meet unfortunately some people have been unemployed uh some people have gotten their unemployment some people still haven't which is really unfortunate um Due to so many different variables that can, that surround that, but uh, I noticed a lot of women have tried to do OnlyFans pages. Oh God, are you back at this? I don't. Wait, wait, wait! But here's the thing. Here's the thing. So recently, I was reading in the New York Times that this woman had created a a OnlyFans page. 
mm-hmm. right? Because she thought she saw she saw the wave, right? She was like she trying to ride that wave, and she thought she was gonna make buku money because she was struggling financially because she has, I believe, she was a single parent, and she's trying to make extra, you know, extra money because the money wasn't flowing in the way that it normally would because of the pandemic. Damn it, still coming up shorter than a midget at a urinal. Yeah, and I'm like, so y'all thought that you gonna be the only ones showcasing all your goods to the world and people are going to pay for them and they're going to be paying you hand over fist for your goods. Let me give you, you one better. Let me give you one better. You're going to love nah. this story. But this nah. is great. So I have a friend, a lady friend who is just like you said, she was working before the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. she got laid off. And then <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if she put in a, a bunch of work to try to find another job. She kind of just thought it was going to come to her because that's how her life has kind of been. Um, And then when it didn't come to her, now she's like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in debt, including she hasn't paid. I don't believe she's paid rent on her apartment since like June or July. Right. So she has a similar plan, but she doesn't do an OnlyFans. She goes onto this website that I believe that she's it's called. Seeking or something like that. (laughs) Something. Maybe it's called arrangements. I don't freaking know. But it's something to that extent. So she comes to me and I'm trying not to judge, you know, because sometimes I see your black I see your black robe over there. I'm trying not to judge. So because I because sometimes I just wonder like what do people see when they see my face? Like, do you think I want to hear what what about me made you think I want to hear this? whack ass story but so she comes in and she's sitting down and she's like you know I feel so much better because she was in a state of depression but now she was like I feel so much better because I know I'm gonna at least be able to catch up on my rent because I think you know any, anybody who's behind on rent they're gonna have to pay that back at some point you know mm-hmm. so she's like I'm, I'm finally gonna be able to catch up on my rent and pay off some bills and I'm like well how, how are you doing this and she's like oh girl seeking like I got this one boo and this one dude had had booked a plane, a private jet and flew her out to um, San Francisco, paid for everything. She came back with a Rolex and it wasn't fake. I checked. She came back with a Rolex and I forget the name. Cause you know, I'm not a name brand person, but some pretty fly shoes and some fly gear. So when she comes back, bottoms. It, you know what they might've been, but they was fly. They was fly as hell. Her whole, when she came back in, she she literally looked like a million bucks. You know that friend, like she literally looked like, I was like, okay, hair done, nails done, everything did. So I said, all right, so how much did you get for, for your rent? Oh, you fancy, huh? Right. I said, how much did you get for your rent? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to get that on the next trip. I'm like, no, no, no. You got, girl. So then she got this other dude, bought her some more stuff, bought her a whole bunch of food, basically like redecorated her apartment. They're giving her gifts, but none of them are giving her any money. None so of them. She, so basically she out here. Let me, let me get this straight. <laughs> so she out here in these streets. She out here cyber hoeing, but ain't bringing back no bread. Nope. Stuff. She get, she, bringing so, back stuff. So who she, I mean, was she on death row records? Like she didn't trinkets with no, with no publishing. Like that's I said, I said, girl, you can't get $3,000. She was like, well, he's got kids and a wife. Girl, that's why you want, that's oh, what hold on. for. Wait a minute. For? That, th- see, this is the epitome of hustling backwards. <laughs> This is exactly what I'm. This is why you don't follow everybody else because what works for the next person does not necessarily work for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go out here just because I can catch a few footballs. I think I'm gonna try out for the L.A. Rams or the right. Chargers. That's right. not God got a plan for my life, but that ain't it. Right. All right. 
Same thing with this situation. The same thing with the OnlyFans situation with that with that lady I told you I read about, and the same thing with the story you just gave. That is absolutely astonishing to me. I'm like, who who raised y'all? Who raised y'all? The first thing you're supposed to do is be be about your paper. Uh, and for, I told her I was like, no. Here's what happens before you get me <laughs> on a plane to San Francisco. Before I even go to the airport, three thousand dollars is in my account. I, I'm not wow. making no moves without no money. And she was like, oh, well, I don't want them to feel like it's all about the money. Have fun. It's all about the money. <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins in the words of my man, Puffy in the locks. It's all about the Benjamins. Uh, especially when you know money. they got you. Because another, why else would you sleep with a married man? Unless you're just that kind of hoe. Oh, my God. Who raised y'all? See, that's why the game, that's why the game needs to be passed down. It this is why the game needs to be told and not just sold because the game got to get passed down because you got women out here and I'm sure you got some sucker dudes out here just Fine. tricking off opportunities and just not capitalizing on what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Wow. That, my Sorry, God. <laughs> my God. See what you get on here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. You never know what you're going to get. You never know the guests that come through here. And these are the stories, ladies and gentlemen, we sit back and we laugh about yeah. on the opposite reaction as well. We sit back and we laugh about this kind of stuff because this is this is really suckerific activity at its finest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just going to leave it at that. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Jackie Ray for joining me here on TMA uh, as a guest. Please let everybody know where they can continue to follow you and keep up with all your great work, please. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jerry the Fanatic. And like Nick said, you can hear me every weekday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Fumble. It's on your YouTube. Just put in the Fumble. You'll find us. I'll be there. All right. Hey, I can dig that. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton. If you missed any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms for free 99. That's right. iTunes. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the whole shebang. Make sure you check us out and make sure you keep it locked right here. I appreciate you guys tuning in so much. Until next week, make sure you stay sharp. Take care. We are out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.